This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. That, once again, is freetalklive.com. Come to start things out here tonight. Do a uh, a couple of quick updates for you. Uh, last night we mentioned that our friend Russell Canning had been arrested. Mm-hmm. How'd that go this morning? Re-arrested, I guess you could say. Uh, it's not his first time, but in this case he was arrested because he didn't show up to court on a prior arrest that he'd gotten. Now the prior arrest was about a month ago, maybe a month and a week or so, where he was in his van, and driving the van, his headlight happened to be out, because these things happen. Right, headlights and, go out every day. It had uh, it had just happened to have gone out very recently, and he just hadn't had a chance to get to the store to fix it. Well, anyway, um, some cops spotted it, pulled him over, and discovered that Russell doesn't have a driver's license. It doesn't mean that Russell's a bad driver. In fact, uh, many people who've driven with him say he's one of the best drivers that they've ever driven with. He better drive safely if he has no driver's license. Right. And so it's not that he's a bad driver. It's just that uh, he didn't have their little permit. You know, he didn't have his papers. And so they arrested him, put him, put him in jail. They, um, he, he never signs anything that they give to them or that they give to him. So he didn't bail himself out or anything like that. They just held him in jail for, for like a, a few hours and they let him out. And they set a court date and he told them that he's not going to show up. In fact, oh he didn't even find out what the court date was. He didn't even not even interested. To, right? Didn't well, even they know bother. where he is. Yes, they do. In fact, they um, they apparently were waiting outside of his neighborhood for him mm-hmm. recently. When he got in again, got in his van, pulled out of his neighborhood, they immediately pulled him over. They arrested him for not showing up in court, and then he had his uh, his day in court. I guess it was an arraignment. I suppose is what it was this morning, and about ten of us. Even even though it was short notice, because we got the news last night that he had been arrested, ten people showed up um, to the courthouse this morning, which I thought, you know, ten people for an overnight sort of a notice thing, that's pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. And everybody had free Russell Canning t-shirts on. Because, again, Russell had been jailed before, so these are things you can recycle, right? <laughs> yeah. Hold on to your shirt. Yeah, keep, keep your free Russell, Russell Canning shirt. You'll need it. Was that in Concord or in No, Keene? right here in Keene. So it made it easy. Everybody was able to get here. In fact, a few people came from out of the area, which was kind of nice. Um, so we were. Um, I was there, uh, Toby and Dale from Free Minds TV, uh, Lauren Canario, one of my heroes, she was there as well, and uh, we all went up to the courtroom. They, for some reason, decided to hear Russell first. I'm not sure why that. They did that. Um, they obviously knew we were there, and they actually even let me into the courtroom with my video camera, hmm. which everyone was saying, oh, that's not going to happen. And I said, well, you know, I've got my little press badge, because what we've done here is we've essentially created our own media. Like here in Keene, New Hampshire, where we all live, where m- many of us have moved for the Free State Project, we've launched all of these different sort of libertarian, pro-liberty minded media mm-hmm. sources like the Keen Free Press, a monthly newspaper, totally for, pro-freedom. Uh, also, there are a few different radio shows, including Free Talk Live here. There are a few television shows. Mark, you've, uh, you're getting ready to kick off your own show mm-hmm. on It hasn't television. aired yet, but we've already got the pilot out there. So, you know, we've all, we do actually have these media um, outlets, and so we've created these little press badges. And, you know, 
nobody's issued them to us. We've issued ourselves the press, <laughs> right. press badges. But the, that darn press badge was good enough to get me into that courtroom with that camera. Had I not had the the press badge, I would imagine that the, the sheriff's department here or the police department, I would imagine sheriff, uh, doesn't even have uh, press passage uh, passes well, that they give out. This was the funny thing because they made me wait and wait and wait. Everybody else had gone in, and I was concerned they were going to start without me. Mm-hmm. But uh, the cop that was out there, he was being very nice. His name was Lance, and uh, he he told me he was going to get me in before everything started. And true to, true to his word, the guy did. And when I got in there and had my camera set up, the judge comes in, immediately notices the camera. I don't know if they'd consulted with him beforehand or mm-hmm. not, but then he calls me up to the front of the court. Very interesting. Yeah, and one of the guys, uh, Roger Grant, that was there with us as well, he suggested that perhaps the reason that happened was because the judge just wanted to flex his muscle to mm-hmm. to show that he could have me come in front of him, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, if I didn't do what he wanted, then he would have kicked me out. So I, sure. had, I had to do it. So it happened. Um, so I went up in front of the judge, and the judge was saying, well, you've got to you, – I'm going to let you get away with it this time. But next time, you need to know what all the rules and regulations are that apply to people with cameras in these courtrooms. And what are the rules and regulations? Well, you know, the, the cop that had uh, sort of cleared the way for me initially had already told me that I was not to pan the crowd and that I was not to do interviews with anybody in the courtroom. That makes some sense. Makes sense, yeah. you know. And so I said to the judge, well, you know, well, what are those regulations? Well, I'm, you know, I don't know them all. He doesn't know them all. Well, and, he doesn't have uh, a camera in there. And, uh, and then I, I said, well, who do I talk to to find out what those regulations are? And he says, well, you'll have to figure that out. So <laughs> this guy is in no way interested in giving me any assistance in being, like, official for the next time that we go into this courtroom, which is going to happen because the results in the case – not so good. Uh, according to Toby, who is on our, our show on Tuesday nights, he sort of got the official word. Looks like the official response was that there were um, approximately, I guess they're going to keep him in jail mm. because Russell, he doesn't pay bail, right? Russell doesn't sign paperwork. And you have to remember that if you're signing a bail sheet, most people I don't think read the bail sheet that they actually sign. When you actually look at the 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 words on the bail sheet, the fine print, if you will, it makes it very clear that you are agreeing to the terms that they're setting out for you. You're sure. agreeing to abide by all the laws They're of not your giving state. you bail so you don't come back. Yeah. They're giving you bail to tie you into the system as much as they possibly can. So Russell's not going to go through that process. Nonetheless, they set the bail at $1,000, and they've set May 14th as his court date. So Russell Canning is going to be in jail for a month, and, uh, almost a month and a Likely. half. Likely. I wouldn't think that they would let him out for that month. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, driving without a license, jailed for over 30 days as a result. And that's before the trial even happened. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll make a lot of friends in the can. He always does. <laughs> He's a friendly guy. I mean, it's yeah. hard not to be friends with uh, with Russell Canick. So we will keep you up to date on uh, on what's going to happen. Of course, the local activists... Here they're you know they're brainstorming already as to what sort of things we can do between now and then as far as protests and calling the bureaucrats and harassing them and that sort of thing not real harassment just hey let our friend out of jail kind of phone call right so we'll keep you up to date eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one also here's another uh, quick update for you we had a, a lengthy discussion last night on the show about voting and uh, to vote or not to vote somebody had called in and made the argument that. 
voting is uh, an endorsement of the system, therefore it's an endorsement of violence, therefore one who is pledged to not to be nonviolent would have to not vote. And so we sort of went back and forth on that and and I as the free marketeer was taking the pro voting position because it seems to me that it's one of the outlets that we can use to spread our message. Running candidates who are of a pro-liberty uh, mindset are going to get inevitably press attention. That press attention will lead to more people discovering the message of freedom. Eventually will lead to hopefully enough people participating to actually elect some of these people to where they can get in and keep their word and really reduce the size of government. It's possible. And I feel like if we ignore that sort of avenue, then we're not doing as much as we could be. In fact, now Michael Hampton at HomelandStupidity.us has pointed out that everybody's, well, a lot of people have asked the question, what would happen if no one actually showed up? Because a lot of the, uh, the anarchist types would like to encourage people to just not go to the polls. If you don't participate, it's not an endorsement of the system. Right. So what happens if you can actually make uh, not voting popular, popular enough to where not even the bureaucrats themselves show up? Oh, they will. They well, will. that's what I said. I said the bureaucrats will show up every single time to vote for themselves. But the fact is, they uh, in Missouri City, Missouri, they didn't. In fact, no one showed up. <laughs> Not even the candidate wow. showed up. <laughs> wow. And we'll talk about what happened in that particular case. I bet you can guess. because uh, as They it rescheduled out, it. Well, we'll get into the details, but it... It doesn't involve the government crumbling and uh, destroying itself. That didn't happen. No, no, I wouldn't suspect it does. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Also, coming up, centralization of education. It's a bad thing. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. That does include the bulletin board system. Over 200,000 posts. Uh, there are a lot of people interacting there as well, over 1,300 people. Serious issues, fun stuff. You will find it all, and it's all totally free. bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And SACL, CAI, has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. That's 800-544-6359. We're talking about a, or just sort of a quick recap on a topic we discussed last night on the show, and that is the question of to vote or not to vote. The consensus on the panel last night was that, and I, I liked it, one of our callers called us the panel mm -hmm. uh, earlier this week, and I thought, you know what, it's That's... been very hard to describe Free Talk Live, and uh, it's not a morning zoo, It's you because know, a lot of shows, a lot of radio shows with more than one host on them are kind of zoos, mm -hmm. where you've got the crazy guy that does the stunts, you've got the wacky sidekick that tells all the jokes, and you know, it's, it's kind of these cliche positions on a morning show. 
And then you've got just your standard monologue-style host, like the Rush Limbaugh, who will talk for two and a half hours and take one phone call. And then there's Free Talk Live. So That's I an amazing... Really by the way, the, what Rush does, just the way he talks and talks and talks, I, it, it amazes me that people can do that. Because um, on Free Talk Live, I can look you in the eye and we talk about it. We're doing a radio show and we, you know, we're, we're obviously going over points that we consider important and that kind of thing. But... That just being able to sit there and monologue in a room, man, there's that's it's a talent that I don't I don't I have never uh, tried to foster. Absolutely. Um. So anyway, just I got a little sidetracked there. I was just talking about the differences between the show. So the panel last night pretty much came to a consensus that well, voting is a useful thing. We need to vote as a if nothing else a self-defensive sort of a process. And as it turns out, if you don't vote, that doesn't help anything. According to Michael Hampton at HomelandStupidity.us, what would happen if officials held an election and nobody voted? Well, it actually happened on Tuesday last week in Missouri City, Missouri, where one city council member got to keep his seat not only because he ran unopposed, but because no one came out to vote. Not even himself. The bureaucrats were apparently shocked that no one showed up to vote in Joe Sell's ward, which is Ward 3, and another ward, only two people showed up and voted. Sell's excuse? He forgot it was Election Day. Wow. City attorney from Canby TV, city attorney Stephen Wolcott, said Missouri City operates under a unique charter approved by the state legislature in 1859. The charter provides that Selly, or Sell can uh, hold his office until, quote, another party is successfully, successfully elected and qualified. So the uh, bureaucrat says, I'm not happy that nobody voted in an election. Well, they didn't. In fact, the town has a population of about 300, of which 197 are registered voters. You'd think out of 197 people, the, or actually in Ward number 3, 34 of them are registered to vote, and uh, not one of them could be bothered. <laughs> so the next time you start thinking that one person can't make a difference, remember Joe Sell of Missouri City, Missouri, who didn't even bother to vote in his own election. One person just writing in another name would have swung the election. Well, I would think in the defense of the uh, of of the anarchists out there that believe that voting is a uh, initiation of force, um, they wouldn't think that just one election would uh, win the day necessarily. They would probably believe that you would actually have to get people to you know not participate. I don't even think I don't think they even have even thought about it that far. I don't think that's the reason that voting has anything to do with not um, you know with getting other people not to vote. It's more about um, that's you know that it's it's some kind of principle that they have. But it seems to me, from the way they're talking, it seems that they want to spread the idea of not voting. So it's not just a personal thing; it's something they want to catch on. They I want see. other people to drop out as well. That's already happened. Half the people who can vote in this country don't. Right, and fat lot of good it does. And a lot of good it does exactly. I mean, you've got a majority of the people that don't vote. Congratulations, you've won. Now yeah. you know what you're going to get when you win. That's right. Which is nothing. Nothing. Right, nothing. They're going to continue the to do what they're going to do. A bunch of politicians who are full of horse manure. Right. The bureaucrats will continue to show up. It doesn't matter how many people uh, go to the polls or not. 800-259-9231. You know, at this point, the, the system's legitimized to the point that it doesn't really matter what, uh, you know, what you do. You've got to, something new has to be tried. That's right. And I think that they're they're a small percentage of the voting block, but still, if they used their numbers to, they could swing a lot of elections. In, you mean in the, the anarchists? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a fairly small uh, voting block from what I can gather, but they can still influence elections by voting for somebody, 
even if they vote libertarian, vote for somebody. I mean, Mickey Mouse is a little extreme. I've heard people say that, but I've written in Mickey Mouse before. If it's a if it's an election between two guys, I don't know who they are. It, they're just a standard run of the mill Democrat or Republican. Not worth voting in that particular election. I me. wish they had a none of the above. Uh, that vote would be choice. great. Because yeah. then that would really be an endorsement of, instead of just staying home and not voting, that's a real endorsement of, this system sucks, yeah. your candidates blow. Both of them. And so what they'd have to do is hold that election for that office again, yeah. and with different people. Well, maybe they... Um, well, speaking of elections, the Journal and Courier in uh, La- Lafayette, Indiana, has an interesting story about voting. Apparently, voters will likely be asked to go to the polls in the month of May, even though the ballots won't have any real choices on them. <laughs> there are no contested seats in city elections this year. But county party and election officials believe a primary would be good practice for the new vote center system in Tippecanoe County. Quote, this is such a Why radical... Is anybody even gonna, I mean, how are they going to get people to go when there's no choices, though? I mean, what kind of practice <laughs> is it? It's not practice at all. Well, it's really, as you'll find out here, an excuse to spend some money. Ah. Uh. See, quote, this is a, such a radical change in the way we conduct elections that it's worth the expense, said the county clerk. Says we really need to, do, uh, need, need to get the bugs out. About 20 vote centers will replace dozens of precincts. Voters will be able to vote at any center instead of only at a certain precinct. The voting bureaucrats said the primary would likely include about 20 vote centers and a few satellite centers. Uh, it turns out they say, well, we need to see how this thing works. They will not give you a mulligan on an election. Republican Party chairman said he couldn't comment until his committee made a decision, and some places that have used vote centers have experienced hours-long lines, technology problems, and confusion, something officials here are hoping to avoid with a practice run. <laughs> confusion, I have no doubt. Every time I've gone to vote, and, you know, no disparagement meant to the uh, septuagenarians that are running it, but <laughs> that's what I see there. I see people who are at the, at the earliest in their 70s. Yeah. Um, you know, octogenarians <laughs> on up. Um, just, uh, you know. And, and nice when you, old folks. When you, they, I'm sure they are. But when you put them in charge of, you know, technology like, uh, you know, these, these uh, paperless voting mm-hmm. machines that they have out there and uh, ask them to, you know, make sure that everything goes fine, it's, uh, it's mostly just a little coffee club that, that meets yeah. a couple times a year. The prime... They're chronologically advanced. Yeah, they are. The primary will cost, by the way, about $35,000 to $50,000. And, uh, by the way, nothing. in their city primary in 2003, only 7% bothered to turn out, even though there was a contest for mayor on the Republican ticket. Now they're What's saying... What's the population of the city? I don't know. Okay. Now there's... You can look it up, though. West Lafayette, Indiana. More on the way. You take control. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Centralization of education and your calls about anything. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control. Bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That would be the packet 8.net toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. The place to go, the Shrine of Female Listeners, is there. The dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo. In fact, I've got at least two new Shriners that are waiting to be uh, to be enshrined, and uh, hopefully I'll get that done by the end of this week. So take a look-see at shrine.freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Pork Fest, is June 18th 
through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own. Hear and discuss the progress and the future of the Free State Project and discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. All right. Still to come, we've got to talk about Imus because he's still in the news, and uh, one of our um, black listeners has responded, mm-hmm. and I think it's worth, uh, worth sharing his email. We'll get to that in a few moments. But first, to centralization of education, as was discussed apparently recently in the New Hampshire State House, where there's, I guess, some hubbub about uh, funding education. They're getting very concerned because, well, you see, government gets bigger and bigger, and so as government keeps getting bigger... The people that are in government don't ever think, huh, this government's getting too big. Let's cut it down to size. No, they think, how can we get more money? And so now they're talking about funding education and what is required for government education and what's adequate education versus inadequate education. And I guess during all this, there have been a number of people who've sort of testified in favor and against uh, and for, for or against more government education and, and this funding. That's right. And the, who was one of the, those people? Well, there's a, a constitutional amendment here in New Hampshire to centralize education funding, which means it would basically make education more bureaucratic. And there's uh, a lady from Czechoslovakia who testified before the committee. Because, wait, right now it's done on the town level, right? Yes, the cities all... and the towns, they sort of set a lot of the policy they set the funding as well. That's now you're right. saying that it's going to if the, if this goes through it'll go all through this the state. Yeah, the, the leftists and the educrats in, in New Hampshire have basically uh uh tried to wrestle control of education and its funding to centralize it and it started really with the with the um uh Claremont decision in the 90s and the state supreme court is ordering the state legislature here to define what it, what a adequate education is and, and Gardner has spoken about this in length and he knows a lot more about it than I do but what I found really interesting is on freestateblogs.net there's the text of a really interesting testimony before the committee on this in, at the state house do share and I'd like to read it for you because I think you'll find it very interesting honorable members of the committee as you can tell from my accent I was not born in the United States I was born in communist Czechoslovakia I went to school in a little town of Ostrava Ostrava is located in the northeastern part of Czechoslovakia, very close to the Polish and German borders. We would address all of our teachers by Sodruska Usitelka, which translates to comrade teacher. Differentiation and creativity of any kind was discouraged. Economic classlessness and receiving based on need was preached. The curriculum that I was taught in Czechoslovakia elementary school was centrally controlled from Moscow. The Soviet Union wanted to ensure that every child in Russia, Ukraine, Poland, Romania, Hungary, Czechoslovakia, and other uh, satellite countries was getting equal and adequate education. This communist-flavored education was dictated from Moscow, and since there was little local control, everyone had to adhere to the powerful bureaucrats in power. We know how we know that now the terror that was applied to those who were brave enough to question the Communist Party, and we all know why the Communist Soviet Union fell because the central planners, the bureaucrats in power, could not plan everything. Central planning and central funding, and thus redistribution of wealth, does not work. The only sure doesn't. That's right. It just doesn't. <laughs> and the only proven economic political system that works is capitalist democracy. Well, the funny thing is that even though history has shown that over and over again, socialism, centralization of power, centralization of decision-making, like she's talking about, mm-hmm. has failed and failed and failed 
for some reason, either A, the American people believe it can work here, mm-hmm. or B, don't realize that we're centralizing education. Yeah. There's a good con job being done here. It's, yeah, it's, it's not being uh, sold in that, uh, in that manner. We're going to centralize es- education standards. just like they did in the Soviet Union. Yeah, they're not, they're saying, not saying that. that they're crap. saying standards is what we need, and that's what they're... And so we're seeing it happen here in America, the centralization of education. Yes, um, there are still some decisions, at least here in New Hampshire, that are made on a town level as far as funding is concerned, but that doesn't mean they aren't taking money from the federal government either. And as soon as you take money from the federal government, you become the federal government's... Um, bitch, basically, and you've got, to, you've got to do what they tell you to. You've mm-hmm. got to implement the programs that they demand that you implement. That's right. And so it's already happening here. Yes, right. And she goes on to say, that is the reason I ask you to oppose this seemingly noble but extremely dangerous amendment. If you think that we are long off from communism, or we are doing this for the children, or you're thinking that the state needs to fund education somehow, I have to say this back to you. One, Gaining central state control of the schools is one of the 45 planks of the communist platform that was issued in 1958. Other goals on that platform... I thought there were only 10. Well, I guess this is the platform The expanded version. Yeah, okay. that's right. Uh, other goals that on that platform included central, central standardization and control of the curriculum and getting state control of teachers' associations. Mm. Two, if you are thinking that this amendment is needed because it is for the children, I answer back to you... Parents have the biggest stake, interest, and motivation in their children's education. Parents need to have direct voice in schools. If, if current local control continues, then the children will continue to benefit. If you are going to support this amendment, then you are removing parent and local community control, and you are hurting the children. Make no mistake, 50% central funding will take away 100% local parental and community control. It's true. Three. That's you, and the same thing for the six percent funding or whatever it is that the federal government provides. Right, that's, that's 6% right. Six percent has eviscerated that as well. It's it's full of um, standards that by which uh, communities have to abide, and thereby just for that six percent, and those they're willing to do it. The communities are willing to the, the teachers' unions willing to do it in order to get what they want. That six percent. And if right. you're balking at these ideas, if you're saying, "What do you mean? We need standards." Well, stop for just a moment and think about it. How is it that you can possibly have a set of standards that could work with individual children, children who have different needs, different styles of learning, uh, different abilities, and how you can possibly think for a moment that this one-size-fits-all government mentality, this government paradigm, is going to be the most effective for the education of children in America? I don't understand how you can even imagine that. That's it's, that's a motiv- it's a motivating argument that you that you give there. Um, I think that there probably should be more t- um, more choices in education um, for people than there are currently with public schools. But I think that. I, even if you had some kind of central control and there was still the marketplace involved in people's education, suppose for a second that all schools had the same curriculum. They had um, some central curriculum, all the, and, and they were all privately funded. There would still be some schools that were better and some schools that were worse, um, and, and in, as a result, you would have better schools still. It's the, it's the pulling the marketplace out of schools that's the bigger problem than the one-size-fits-all, I think. Well, you're also destroying the ability to innovate by doing that. I, I would concur with that. Idea. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a terrible idea. Standards and one-size-fits-all one sucks. Yeah, um, and, and teaching is, is just as much an art as it is a science, too. Right. There are p- very charismatic teachers. There's th- certain teachers you just can't teach what they, what they have. 
Yeah, and they they like the a lot of teachers like the ability to be able to innovate and yes. to come up with new ways to teach the same old material. Mm-hmm. And in many uh, situations in government schools, they're just not allowed to. That's right. Anyway, uh, she goes on number three. She says, "If you are thinking that we need to fund education somehow, then I answer back: there is no mandate to change how schools are funded." Bringing in centrally distributed money will only enlarge the education machine, just like we had in Czechoslovakia, meaning everyone but student perform everything but student performance. I believe that by supporting this amendment, you will be putting into place the infrastructure that will be slowly start controlling all aspects of education by one bureaucratic source. Carefully consider how other elected and non-elected officials, five, ten, twenty years from now, can use this amendment uh, uh, to mess things up. Uh, I'm sorry, who, or maybe not of different political mindset than yourselves. I know you intend the best things, but I ask you, have you ever lived in a communist state? Well, I have, and I can see a mile away that you may not recognize right under your nose. Good for her for calling it what it is. Yeah. 800-259-9231. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features are free. We do ask, though, that you voluntarily support the show by digging Free Talk Live. If you uh, have not yet dug the show, we want you to go to dig.freetalklive.com. It's uh, not a long process, though it does involve registering for the dig.com website. It is, of course, a free account. Your privacy will be protected and all that good stuff. Go to dig.freetalklive.com, and then once you're logged in, just click the Dig It button next to our show. Now, if you don't dig something else on their website within two weeks, they'll undig you, or, or they'll, they'll just not count your dig anymore. So just click on one of our episodes and dig that, too, just to sort of lock in your dig. Um, so head, head over to dig.freetalklive.com. makes a big difference for us in the Dig podcast rankings. All right, so we're talking about school, education, government education, which, of course, is the worst kind of education you could ever possibly give your, uh, your children. In fact, one of our listeners recently found out uh, just one of the ways that government education is so bad. Right, Wayne? That's right. One of our listeners sent an email to us uh, today, actually, It goes like this. My 14-year-old son, Michael, is unfortunately in public schools for reasons beyond my control. Divorce, grandparents are retired government school teachers, etc. Yesterday, his counselor called and told me that Michael didn't fill out a form and he will need to spend this Friday in the dean's office because of it. Upon further investigation, you know I how thought, they are about their forms. Oh man! <laughs> yeah. Well, they they have to get you they have to get you all softened up for real life. Where if you don't fill out the the government forms, you'll go to jail. Mm. Yeah, they're preparing you for life in the real world. Uh, anyway, upon life for, in the big the bigger prison cell. <laughs> yeah, the big pen. You're graduating from the little pen to the big pen, the one without the the easy to see walls fences. <laughs> yeah. Under, upon further investigation, I found that Friday is, is career day at school. The point is that... Uh, well, that's always a fun day to just kill. Like, there's never anything that's worth seeing at career day as far as, oh, there's no education going on. You just have people coming in and blabbing about what they do for a living. That's right. That's right. And he feels that this is a stupid one-size-fits-all policy created by the one-size-fits-all government school system. Without any prompting from me at all, Michael refused to fill out the form. So I asked her if Michael was there, I guess the teacher. She said he wasn't. 
but he he uh, he would call him in and they would call me back. About 20 minutes later, the phone rang. The caller ID says it's from the school. Michael answered. He said that they had a form with 19 different check boxes. Each of them were labeled with some profession, like military service, nurse, whatever. Michael wasn't interested in any of them, so, so he, you, he, he left had, it blank. He had uh, 19 choices of what his job could be? Yeah. I mean, careers that he was interested in. He didn't see anything there that he liked. How dismal. There's 19 choices? You, you get to be one of these 19 things. Go ahead and pick. Well, you know, they have to actually get local people to come in and speak to the kids, so I'm sure that's a factor. Yeah. But also, I wonder of the 19, and I, I doubt they list them, but I wonder of the 19, how many were entrepreneurial? I don't see And how any many here. were just J-O-Bs? Yeah, just just looking for um, people to, to join in their little system so that they can, you know, have people to put widgets on Whatchamahoosies. Right. I'm sure radio talk show host wasn't one of them. Probably not. I've no. been asked to do that before. Yeah. There was a TV host that was at my school one year, one of the, the TV news people. Yeah, that's rare, though. So anyway, Michael wasn't interested in any of them, so we left the form blank. I asked him if there was a, a not applicable box. He couldn't find one. So I suggested that he create his own none of the above category and then check it so he didn't have to spend the day in the dean's office. How about office. junkie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not funny. <laughs> it, it, oh, boy, that you'd be in big trouble if you said that in yeah. school nowadays. It's changed even since you've been in school, Ian. What do you mean? Oh, I'm sure that they're a lot more sensitive. You're post-Columbine. Over, yeah, that's right. You're post-Columbine, so it can get a little scary. Uh, so anyway, he says that he asked to talk to the counselor, and she got back on the phone. Uh, and I asked her about this special day. She said that the PTO, Parents and Teachers Organization, had gotten a bunch of their members, busybody parents of children at the school, to talk about their jobs, and all children should be interested. I told her that apparently Michael wasn't interested in any of them. Yep. She said that the children had to fill out the form because <laughs> they had to schedule everything. She said that they were having a career day. I asked her what career you day had to do with education. What's that, Mark? <laughs> you will be interested. That's right. You have to be. It's mandatory. But anyway, he said that he asked what career day had to do with education. Aren't I paying you to teach my kids? What's happening in math today when you're having adults talk about themselves to children who have plenty of time to decide what's important to each of them? Why are you trying to force a career on a child at such an early age? Wait, how old is his son? He's uh, 14. 14? Okay. She didn't have a response for that. Then I asked her, why are you punishing Michael because of your failure to find something of interest to him. Yeah, you, you couldn't find a job that, that was interesting enough or a career that was interesting enough to this young man who obviously, you know, he may have some idea of what he wants to do, and it's obviously none of those 19 choices. That's but right. that's not good enough for the bureaucrats. You must fit into their box or you're in trouble. Oh, yeah. That's part of central planning is, is actually testing children at an early age to figure out what they're good at and then steer them into that uh, mm-hmm. profession. They, they did that in the Soviet Union for years. Including in a- athletes, too. Yes, the government test says you should be a garbage man. That's right. right. Or a carpenter or an architect or whatever, mm-hmm. but, I mean, they have their criteria. Uh, she said that uh, being in the dean's office is not punishment in this particular case. I told her that when I was in school, going to the dean's office cert- was certainly punishment. Why is she setting Michael up to fail? I'm totally disgusted with the whole affair, but I was looking to give her a way out. I suggested that perhaps Michael could spend the day in the library researching jobs that he thought were important to him. That's a good, that's a good compromise. Yeah, it sure is. She, she gave the totally bureaucratic answer uh, to that one, saying that she didn't know if there would be any supervision in the library for that time. <laughs> you knew that was coming. Yeah. Come on. The library, 
unsupervised? I mean, how supervised yeah. does he abs- a- absolutely have to be to be in the library? I mean, is the kid a troublemaker? Is he going to rip pages out of the books? Is he going to slash his wrists back there? I find it hard to believe that the, libra- uh, the library bureaucrats aren't going to be working on that particular day. They're all going to be at the job fair, too, probably, the mm-hmm. career day. Uh, I suggest that you, find- you want to be a bureaucrat librarian. Uh, I see what you mean. It's a pretty cushy job, actually. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Anyway, he goes on to say that he suggested that she find out and to call him back and let him know. And then I talked to Michael and told him that I was proud of him. He followed his heart and didn't go the way of the rules, which he knew were full of crap. He questioned the authorities based on his feelings, not the feelings that he was supposed to have. He's my hero. He got me thinking of Benjamin Franklin's assertion that the first responsibility of every citizen is to question authority. Apparently, Michael knows this, but many of us have forgotten it. They didn't teach me that in government school. Of course not. You learned it on your own. I, actually, I didn't know that Benjamin Franklin said that. That's, uh, I, ju- I think I just learned that right now. That's actually a quote on um, NH3.com. Uh, you, you know what? You're right. I have seen that before. It's a great yeah, quote. It's a great I didn't quote. Know, I didn't re- necessarily remember that it was him. And so good for, good for this young man. What, how did this all turn out? Was that the end of the story? Uh, that's the end of the story right now. I'm sure we'll hear oh, so more. This is developing then, it's is what developing. you're saying. I see. So will the school allow one student, an individual, to step outside of their preordained boxes, to step outside of their 19 little check boxes and essentially create his own curriculum? Mm-hmm. Or will they be regimented, bureaucratic, and uh, force him to either sit in detention or go to some job uh, presentation that he's not interested in. i think the the gentleman came up with a really really great idea with the uh, library i you know um he could go to the library and just look at books oh i agree with you mm-hmm. i think he did come up with a good idea the question is will the bureaucrats allow for that sort of uh outside of the box activity well your point was very good ian that you said that you're willing to bet that none of the check boxes were entrepreneurial and, and, and you're yeah. so right about that that's pretty much what i'm thinking yeah I, I'm trying to remember back to my days in high school, and I mean this is a decade ago almost, but I, I just remember more job type people being there. Like I work for so and so, yeah, and I do this, and uh, you should too when you grow up. That you can do this, and right. it's just I don't know. It it doesn't have quite that uh, entrepreneurial feel to it. The, I you know I started my business. I'm you know I get to set my own hours. It's really great and. You know, life is good. Right. I don't have a boss. I think that that's the way things are going to go more and more, too. Yeah. What do you they, mean? They'll have to. That there's going to be more and more entrepreneurial um, spirit because people are... You think there's going to be more entrepreneurial spirit as a result of what? As a result of what? People are seeing what uh, the, the, you know, getting being part of the machine um, uh, results in. Who are, who's, who's seeing that? Most I people think, are completely oblivious to it. I disagree. I think I, I think that that um, that people that people have their own businesses. I think there's more businesses now than there were in the 80s. I don't know. Um, you you constantly hear that uh, small business is what uh, America's built on. Um, there are also there's so many rules that apply to if you have 50 employees or more, mm-hmm. or if you have 10 employees or more, and it causes people to keep their businesses relatively small. But there are also so and many rules. Therefore, they can't hire people, so they go um, those people that aren't hired would either go work for a big company yeah. or they'd work for themselves. But there are also so many rules that actually prevent people from even starting their own business. Various different business regulations, permits, uh, OSHA, all these rules and regs make people say, eh, I'd rather some just people, go and punch a clock. Some people, but it didn't stop you. 
No, because I can do it without going through any of those regulations. I figured out a way a lot, around it. There's all. a lot of way to, a lot of businesses you can do. It stopped me through. from starting my own radio station. I'll tell you that. More mm-hmm. on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Hour two's coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off hour number two, and you can take control of the airwaves. Call free at 800 259 9231. That's the packet 8.net toll free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1 800 259 9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features we give them away. That's once again, freetalklive.com. The latest on the IMIS controversy here in moments. But first to the phones and to the fun. Let's go to the amplifier line. Talk to Niall in Utah. Niall, hello. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. What's on your mind? I just had to chime in on the whole vote versus no vote among anarchists and minarchists and things like that. And I basically probably can't disagree with you more about the whole idea of voting to change, sort of using a fundamentally flawed and immoral system and expect something good to come out of it. Okay, so you are somebody who is anti-voting then? Oh, absolutely. I think the vote's absolutely worthless and pointless. However, I, I think I may have a solution to this quandary. Okay. Um, and it's truly free market, I think. Now, to me, a vote is, like I said, completely pointless and worthless. But to a minarchist, it means something. Yes. So, like, what I would propose to anarchists everywhere, and probably Russell Canning and anyone else who really cares, sell your vote. Sell it to the minarchists in direct exchange for a protest during one of your civil disobedience. I mean, if it means something to you and it doesn't mean something to me, it only makes sense that you would sell it Genius. to your own good. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. So, I mean, it solves the problem. I don't have a problem selling something that doesn't mean anything to me in exchange for, like, I don't know, 15 people showing up. I'm now, sure one of the That's a nice idea. I, and, and I guess a, a, a free marketeer slash anarchist type uh, wouldn't necessarily have a problem violating the laws that prevent you from selling votes. Oh, absolutely not. And, you know, I'm pretty sure most would agree. And, and you know, as far as the uh, submitting to the system through voting, absolutely. If you're voting for it on your own behalf, but if, if you're selling it, you're not submitting to it. You know, um, I, I had somebody I was working, I used to work at a, as a taxi driver um, in one of my many jobs that I've had in the past. And uh, I had somebody try to buy my vote for Kerry. Um, John Kerry. Yeah, for John Kerry. They wanted me to uh, vote for John Kerry, and I'm like, nah, I'm not going to vote for either, either one of those. And they tried to give me a twenty dollars, you know, twenty bucks for my vote, and I'm like, mm, no thanks. How were they going to verify it? Oh, they weren't. That's a funny thing about no. selling your vote. Well, yeah. uh, some was... people in life, though, I mean, you know, some of them will lie to you and some of them not, and yeah. and people are either confident in their ability to judge character or not. And clearly, she was. A, she was slightly inebriated. B, she probably was confident in her ability to judge my character. The fact that I turned her down showed that she was right. I like well, your idea, Niall. I like the idea that it can make, uh, it can help the, uh, these two different factions that are normally at odds maybe work together. Yeah. Part of it is, part of it is, of course, you don't sell your vote unless you get something for it. So I'm here in the great socialist paradise of Utah, <laughs> and I would certainly sell my vote in exchange for 15 minarchists to protest here, but I'm just not going to find anyone to buy. No. I'm yeah. going to have to go to where the market is if I'm going to sell my vote, and that is New Hampshire. Is that true? You know what they're doing? they're doing good. Everybody 
comes out winner on this, as far as I can see. It's going to be difficult to verify that if, if that were widespread, but I agree with you in the sense that I think that voting is overrated because it really doesn't matter what form of government you have. What matters is if you have freedom or not, and really in a free market society where, where everything is voluntary, really where you're voting is you're voting every day with, with, with what you write checks out for. That much is true. Absolutely. And I think th- he's, he's specifically uh, talking about the po- political system of voting. Yes, but that affects the political system, too, because don't forget those businesses who uh, cater to their customers best are those who wield the most power. Niall, any uh, other thoughts? Um, you know, so just you know, by way of example, as far as the trust thing, I, I could give my vote to however, say, uh, Mark would want me to vote, and I would just equally trust him that he would show up or get a couple friends to show up at one of my trials or arrests or however that went. Yeah, and if he didn't show that, up, uh, then you would never do that again. Right. Niall, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I like that. It's, uh, original thinking, looking for solutions to, instead of continuing the conflict. I, it, it is original thinking. To some extent, that's what I do. Um, I show I have shown up at uh, certain protests and events here, even though I don't consider them to be of much value. Um, you know, certainly not what I'm. You know, what I consider the biggest issue out there or anything like that to show support and fidelity for the people here um, that are of the patriot mindset um, in this state. At, at the same time, it'd be really cool if they would go out and vote for the uh, candidates that uh, you know the minarchists put in place. Well, I think Russell Canning has sort of gone part of the way. In that, or he's done sort of a similar thing, just in his own way. He's he registered to vote when he was originally when he had originally moved into New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. He since had attempted to unregister to vote, and as it turned out, it was very very difficult for him to uh, to actually do such a thing. There apparently is no process <laughs> by which you can unregister to vote. <laughs> can't, can't unregister. Well, you could move to another state and register in that state. That's one way to do it. Right. Is there an expiration on your registration? I think in some places you do. It does expire mm-hmm. if you um, don't vote and you you don't. Uh, I don't know check if back in with the authorities. I think it was that way in Florida. I don't know if it's that way here in New Hampshire. Anyway, he couldn't get off the voting rolls, so he's pretty much just told anybody who, if it ha- if the conversation happens to go to voting, he just you know he'll mention oh you know if you want to vote as me you can because <laughs> here in New Hampshire you can just walk into the voting um, precincts claim that you're somebody and they don't even check IDs. We were just discussing off air earlier that Russell should have a few doubles anyway, like Saddam Hussein used <laughs> yeah. to, and then he could, they could arrest him and he could stay and yeah. do the paper. It's a good idea. But then the double would have to go to jail. Yeah, true. Who would want to do cost that? Money. That's, uh, a, that's a crappy job. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Don Imus, the latest on uh, the controversy over what the old corpse said on the air last week. You know, I was looking, and Don Imus is. Less than a year older than my mother, so Don Imus is 66, 67. He doesn't look 67. He looks... He's 66 and 80. will soon... 83. Yeah, he does. That, it said 1940. Maybe I misread something. Maybe that was his wife's age. I don't know, no. but... No, his wife is much younger. Let me oh, let yes. me make sure that I've got that right. Well, anyway, while you do that, MSNBC, according to the AP, said Wednesday it will drop its simulcast of the Imus in the Morning radio program. Responding to growing outrage about the radio host's racial slur against the Rutger women's... Rutgers women's basketball team. Quote, the decision comes as a result of an ongoing review process, which initially included the announcement of a suspension. It also takes into account the many conversations that we've had with our own employees, said NBC News in a statement. 
The announcement was also made on the air. Talk show host Don Imus triggered the uproar on his April 4th show when he referred to the mostly black Rutgers women's basketball team as nappy-headed hoes. Mm-hmm. His comments have been widely denounced by civil rights and women's groups. The decision doesn't, uh, does not affect Imus's nationally syndicated radio show, and the ultimate decision on the fate of that program will rest with executives at CBS Corporation. In a statement, CBS reiterated that IMUS will be suspended without pay for two weeks beginning on Monday, and that CBS Radio will continue to speak with all concerned parties and monitor the situation closely. Now, MSNBC's action came after a growing list of sponsors, including the American Express Company, Staples, Procter & Gamble, and General Motors. Those are heavyweight sponsors. Yeah, the big ones. Said they were pulling ads from IMUS's show for the indefinite future. So, I mean, MSNBC, lose, not only were they uh, dealing with angry viewers, they were also dealing with advertisers who didn't want to be anywhere near this controversy. Mm. So, with the advertising dollars dropping off, it's it makes sense that they would decide to let old Don Imus go uh, at this point. It does make some sense. I, you know, I, he can still get a job anywhere. Um, well, he still has his radio job. CBS mm-hmm. hasn't made a decision beyond the suspension, which again starts next week. The show originates from WFAN AM in New York City and is syndicated nationally by Westwood One, both of which are managed by CBS Corporation. The former head of the NAACP and director of CBS said before MSNBC's decision that he hoped the broadcasting company would, quote, make the smart decision by firing Imus. Quote, he's crossed the line, he's violated our community, he needs to face the consequence of that violation. And apparently some of our listeners agree, Mark. I believe you got an email from uh, one of our black listeners here on Free Talk Live with some thoughts on this. It's from James, and I don't think that he necessarily agrees uh, with it, but he's got some stuff to say, and I I think it's pretty good. First, I want to say that I'm a fan of Free Talk Live, and I love the show. Um, As an African-American male, I find Imus' statements horrible. At his age, in this era of communication, he should know that any comment like this is uncalled for. Sure, he does know that, but when you get into the heat of... An on-air conversation, certain things come out that maybe you didn't intend for them. He uses the term "ho" on a pretty regular basis, yeah. and um, there's, they've shown pretty consistently that he uh, he makes racial comments. Okay, uh, and maybe he's against women too. I don't know. Well, he's going to ruin it for Santa he calls Claus. His wife a ho. You know, they're going to they're going to probably ban Santa Claus from saying "ho ho ho" now. More on the way. You take control. The rest of the story from this email and your calls as well. It's free talk live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, archives included. An entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the website, for your download and convenience. Go get them. freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click on Join Us Today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. We're talking about the Don Imus situation, and I want to jump back into the email here in a few moments, but Jamie Tojuso is on the line, apparently, from Kentucky, and it's been a while since we've heard from him. Jamie, you're, uh, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. I'll tell you what, I'm ticked off big time. <laughs> Why is that, Jamie? What's what's happening, Jamie? Because Imus in the morning was my, uh, the start of my morning. Every morning you listen to Imus, huh? Yes. The team, now, you watch him on television? Yeah. 
What is it about the Imus show that makes it translate so well to television in your mind, Jamie? Well, he just, uh, he messed up what he said, you know, and he's sorry about it. But, you know, he, uh, NBC has been down his throat for years. They've been trying to get rid of him and you think? stuff. Yeah. I and saw I'm the ratings. Bo- he wasn't doing too bad. And right now, on this very, uh, right now, y'all going to hear me say this. I'm calling for people to call NBC, and if they and if they don't get Imus back on, boycott NBC. Well, you know that's what you can do. You can definitely fight back. Uh, you can certainly fight against a boycott. You can fight against a decision because it's a boycott that's essentially gotten MSNBC uh, to drop the show. There's no reason why market forces can't push back in the other uh, the other direction. Now, on his television show, they're actually simulcasting. That's his radio show. He doesn't do a special TV-only show, right? That's right. Okay, so you just can't tune him in on the radio so, in your area, huh? Uh, no, I can't. I don't get it to AM channels or FM. Do they show his entourage on the uh, on the television as well, or is it just uh, just Don? Well, show? no, they show his. Uh... His guy, they, I forget his name, but the guy on there that tells the news and they tell about sports and. What are you, you gonna know. do now, Jamie? Now that Don is gone, what are you gonna do in your morning? Oh, he'll be back. I don't know I, about that. Uh, uh, there's another thing. Well, I like your optimism th- and everything, but I don't know if that's gonna happen. I'm not a psychic or nothing, but I see what's coming. <laughs> God, Jamie, I wish you, know, you were. Yeah. You know what? You know what's coming? Mm. He's going to satellite radio. Well, you know, it could yeah. it could it, happen. It, it's possible. Just like Howard Stern did. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember... And I hope he does. And yeah. I'm not going to watch in, uh, MSNBC no more. Well, one uh, one program. Okay. Uh, the, uh, what's his name, comes on... I'm not uh, sure. I don't know how to watch TV. Uh, Keith Olbermann? Keith Olbermann. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's got a good Wow, show. that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Pretty yeah. good, Ian, for somebody who doesn't watch. You know, Jamie, I think he'll be back. He got, he's gotten fired so many times. I remember he was on WNBC. Not back on MSNBC, though. Well, he was on WNBC in New York uh, years ago in the late yeah. 70s, early 80s, and he was fired for something he said back then. And he's back with NBC again now. He'll be back. They're going to... You're not radio unless you've been fired. Well, yeah. you know, Opie and Anthony were canned uh, a few years ago for this church stunt that they did, and probably would be pretty offensive to you, Jamie told you so, but what they did was they had some people go into, like, a, a confession booth at a church and, and have sex Oh no! during the service. And so, there's another thing I like to say. Yeah, sure. These people that's, uh, like, uh, ban the, sh- uh, the uh, like, Procter & Gamble. Yeah. The Procter & Gamble. And uh, I'm gonna ban them too. That's you know what? That's something you can do. You can go and, and start buying store brands instead of I buying. I am. I'm uh, gonna start buying dollar store brand. There you go. Start. <laughs> hey, Jamie, who is that little, working at the dollar store? Who was that little girl that uh, was was just talking there? Oh, that was my niece. Uh, I just wondered. She sounds cute. Are you still working at the dollar store, Jamie? No, I'm looking for a job. What happened? Oh, me and the boss got into it. Oh, oh no! Boy. What over? Uh. uh uh, I reckon I just messed up a couple times, and heck, she just all went off. That's right. Me. She just couldn't handle a little mess up. You weren't late for work, were you? No, no. No, no. she couldn't have. That, that's the way of these bosses. You, you mess up and stuff, and if you, you know, you don't have a right to say nothing, but the boss does. Yeah, I guess that's I guess you that's know, the truth. You about summed it up. So what are you but, looking but for? What are you looking at? A, Go ahead. What, what now? I was just going to say, what are you looking at as options uh, as far as your uh, your new career? Well, I'm thinking about going back to Purdue Farms. 
Ah, uh, I was gonna say, you know what? You you sound like a man that's cut out for a factory job. You can pluck a chicken pretty quick, huh? I'm a, yeah, I can pluck a chicken. <laughs> Jamie. They used to call me the plucker. It sure is nice hearing from you, sir. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. That was a perfect ending. 800-the-plucker. Nice. 800-259-9231. I'm so distracted. Oh, yeah. Opie and Anthony. That's what I was uh, pointing out. The sort of history of uh, radio shows that sort of get shuffled around. They They generate some controversy. It simmers down. It dies out. And then they get rehired. And so a perfect example would be Opie and Anthony, who did something which is also pretty outrageous to a lot of people, a lot of religious people. They, Despicable. They had people uh, go into a church and have sex while the, the service was going on. So everyone heard it. They were, of course, on the radio, on a cell phone at the oh same time. Oh, my. That's awful. A lot of people got offended. Uh, I I'm think offended it was, just hearing about it. I think it was CBS that was um, there, I guess, owned them at the time. And so CBS canned them at that point. They kind of went underground for a year or whatever, and then they popped back up on XM Satellite Radio. And they just started, you know, once again, they had a lot of momentum right out of the gate. Um, they got they did so well on, on XM that then XM signed a deal with CBS, their former employer, and now they're back on FM Talk Radio. Yeah, because mm-hmm. if those things blow over. Just If they don't right. get stupid again, they'll probably be okay. But the, so you're saying the same thing's going to happen with Imus. I think so. He's been fired for many times over dumb things he's done or said on the air, and, and he'll be back. He has an audience. He's He's gotten a huge amount of press, and honestly, that's what his job is. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Creating controversy and publicity. Yeah, I mean, you're, I think that uh, it's a great point that he may go to, and Jamie touched on this, that he might go to satellite radio. Because yeah. it's a very realistic possibility. Uh, they've got Howard Stern. They've got Opie and Anthony. They've got the shocker, the, you know, the shockingest of the shock jocks, so-called. Mm-hmm. And I personally don't really care for that term, but the media seems to love it. Um, and so, they, you know, they've got those guys, and it would make sense for them to add Don Imus. And, it, and I guess Howard Stern, I wonder what he would have to say about it. Like, him and Don have sort of been arch enemies yeah, for, uh, yeah. for a long time. Were, I thought that Howard Stern said that basically uh, what Don's done is apologize too much. Yeah, that is what he said. That's right. He said he sounded like someone who was apologizing uh, in their first radio job. Mm. Yeah, that, well, that's probably true. But, you know, uh, way back when, Imus was a direct competitor to Howard Stern. They were both considered over-the-edge shock jocks, mm-hmm. and, and Imus actually has toned down quite a bit over the years. And Howard you know, hasn't. <laughs> another point on uh, him moving to satellite radio in that as far as how effective it'll be or... Uh, how how it'll how it'll work is that well he's lost a lot of advertisers now for his MSNBC show they pulled out and as a result they fired Imus but with satellite radio advertisers aren't as important as subscribers are so it would be interesting to see what the response from the subscribers of a satellite radio service would be if they brought on Don Imus would a bunch of people drop out would an equivalent amount of people or more join to to hear the show. Um, and how would the advertisers factor into that? So it would be kind of a different situation. The advertisers' opinions wouldn't be as important there. We'll see what happens with this. And we'll get back to the email here as well um, from one of our African-American listeners. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, including the wiki. Over 1,200 unique pages created by listeners just like you. It's like a listener-editable version of our website. And you can see what I mean by heading over to wiki.freetalklive.com. That's wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive, dot com. And you need to know that the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who've made the move, hear and discuss the progress and the future of the Free State Project, and socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C. F-E-S-T dot com. As we continue with the IMIS controversy, and of course your calls about anything, the email that we'd received that you just barely begun, Mark. Just um, barely. We're going to continue it at this point. It's from one of our... I, I, I always have such a tough time deciding whether to call black people black people or African Americans. And I, I think that black people's more accurate. We've talked to uh, some of our black listeners in the past, and they don't mind being called that. I don't want to offend anybody. Um, so, but he calls himself an African American in the email. So he seems like, to do that. But, but because you can be black and be from the United Kingdom as well, in which case you wouldn't be an African. He also calls himself a black uh, bl- black man. Okay, good. So. I feel better about it. <laughs> but it's you know, uh, it's something that uh, gets tippy toed around, and I don't know. I I just yeah. I don't like tippy toeing in my life um, in general, and I don't see why it should be. Um, you know, there's. A small amount of difference. There's no difference in the DNA. There's a small amount of melanin difference, and, and that's the difference. That's it. That's it. Okay, so he says there's no excuse for calling a collegiate sports team or any other uh, person, period, hose or nappy-headed. You can be a shock jock, but you don't need to be ignorant. And I think you're going to have a difficult time um, being a shock jock without doing some name-calling. Sure. And uh, I'm a... He calls lots of people uh, hoes, lots of women hoes. He calls his wife a hoe. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. He has done that, and it's. I don't think that that's so. It that wasn't big of a necessarily deal. a target against uh, black people. Then it doesn't seem to be. Although he has said lots of bigoted uh, things. Okay. Um, so he may be an old racist then. I think he's just trying to be shocking, but that's just an opinion. Could I be. don't know. Could be. Many of my white friends don't understand the background um, to many words that are offensive to me. How hard is it just not to say these words? How hard is it not to use the N-word or any word um, that would offend a race? You don't need a high level of education to avoid saying a few handful of words. Um, or not a few, he says a handful of words. Everyone knows the background to African-American culture in this nation and the pain that stems from years of hatred, disrespect, and oppression. If you do not know, then you need to educate yourself and learn the uh, background of these words and our history. I know that many white people... Is there people, a list of these words? I mean, because I know the N-word, and, and you it's know... It's pretty obvious, right? That <laughs> one is obvious, I think, to everyone. Don Imus didn't use the N-word in this particular case. Um, you know, where's the, the official list of words that is offensive that people should avoid? I don't know that there is one. No. Um, you know, and, and I just... I think I still see this particular comment as being on the line. But remember, I'm defending one of my own. I don't want somebody... I don't want somebody calling my advertisers and saying that I said something offensive. I don't want somebody calling my syndicate and saying you need to, he needs to. I don't want people calling me, um, calling for my ouster based on something I said. So I'm defending mm-hmm. one of my own. I'm going to defend it more, um, defend him uh, more vociferously than I would um, lots of people simply because he's part of my group and I want to be treated the same way. Um, 
so I, you know sort of here we have um a perfect a perfect uh, heads up you know uh the black guys defending uh you know not using racial language against a radio guy and okay you know, i'm trying to be as fair as i possibly can fair enough. but you know it's it's not easy i can tell you um i know that um many white people want to know why african americans can use the word and whites cannot I personally feel the N word. Yeah, the N word. Right. And, and many um, words should just not be used by anyone. And I would, I would agree. Um, I think it's unfair that you can say um, that blacks can say it and whites can't. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. <clears throat> what you must understand is that white people created certain words to destroy a race. For that reason, you cannot use those um, these words at all. You should not want to use these words if you truly feel that other races are equal to white the right okay. white race. I don't know that I necessarily think that's so. I think that they, from an educated, you know, a person who wishes to sound educated, that's true. You can't use the N-word and sound like an educated individual, as okay. far as I'm concerned. But when you're talking about, um, you know, the uh, there's iterations of the N-word out there that uh, are sort of used in popular culture, and... I don't think that if you have a white guy that uh, is sort of from that culture, let's use uh, Slim Shady. What's his name? That's his name, I think. Uh, he's got another name. Anyway, that's Eminem. Slim, Eminem, yeah. The, um, that guy. And, and my impression of him is, and I don't know everything about his life, is that he's from uh, a black neighborhood in Detroit. I think that he can use that terminology with uh, cohorts of his. He's, uh, you know, his, his whole band, his, mm-hmm. uh, the, the people that he hangs with are all black. And I think he can use some iteration of that terminology without being racist or anything like that. I just don't think I don't think it's that much of a problem. There's certain situations where you think it's 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 okay. I think it's coarse, but I don't think it's racist. Okay. Um, I you know, and I personally won't use that terminology. I do not like it use, being used against my um, used on my friends, whether the person using it is black or white. I agree. I heard a black guy call my friend Julian, who is. Blackish, <laughs> uh, um, mulatto. Yeah, he's um, you know he's probably closer to quadroon, but um, he, he um, I heard them call him the N word, and I was I was shocked. I, Julian didn't take it like anything, but I it made me feel terrible. I I, yeah. I, I felt my face change uh, temperatures. I was I wanted to beat the guy up over it, um, and. It, Wait, it, that would be an interesting situation. It really is. White man beats up a black a man for, for using the, for using for using the, the N-word. N-word on oh, his boy. friend. Yeah. It would be a very strange situation, and that's one of the reasons why I just kept my mouth shut. It's yeah. it such an odd scenario. And, you know, after that, I sort of came to the uh, opinion that, you know, you need to settle down on this particular word um, for myself. I, I mean, I needed to settle down on that word. It's not that big of a deal. He was uh, just using it as a you know, indication of fidelity or something like that. And I don't know. Uh, one Another time, real quick, uh, I was playing a video game where uh, Julian and I were playing a video game. And in the video game, um, it was a British thing. They called uh, black people baboons. I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, my God. Wow. I, I thought it was going to sink into the floor. And he said, eh, it just makes it realistic. <laughs> <laughs> so... There's different people that think different things. Sure. Uh, you know, this is just one. I'd say that Julian's pretty easygoing in comparison to some of the people who've taken offense to what Don Imus has to say. I think maybe, um, but it, it depends on the vitriol that's behind it, as far as I'm concerned. Well, Mark, right. how do you feel about that old interview with Robert Byrd where he described white people as being the N-word, too, that they could be, and there was a big uproar over that? Do you remember that one? I, yeah, I don't like that. that there's, um, I, I don't like the whole, well, there's black people, and then there's um, the N-words. 
you know, these people that are the N-words. Uh, well, he was also saying that there were white N-word people, sure, too. Sure, I, I understand that. And uh, he knew a lot of those of people. An ex- ex- expansion of that. and I know there's white trash. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's better used terminology like trash. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But um, even that is nothing to call somebody, even if they are. I yeah. Mean, it's just a, <laughs> and if, as you recall, I've said in the past. Yeah, but I can get on the air and use white trash all I want. Nobody's no gonna one's going to say anything. That's true. Um, I, I've said that I like the Confederate flag. I really do. I think it's a, a it's pretty flag. Yeah, it's a pretty flag. I like a lot of the things that the Confederacy stood for, states' rights and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if I were to put that bumper sticker on the back of my car. You'd be a racist. I some people, it would hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. I don't know whether I, I wouldn't be a racist. No, I, you wouldn't, wouldn't be, but people would think you were. They were, they would, and it would hurt some people's feelings. And I think that you've got to be careful in that respect. And um, that's what Don Imus has done here. He's he. I don't think he intended to. I don't think he thought the Rutgers team was listening to his show. And in fact, they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was just using them as a, a very crude joke. But there's more to the email, right? Right. Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton. Uh, this is the part that I probably disagree with the most from the email. Okay. Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton are going after people who use offensive words because no one else will. The FCC goes after Janet Jackson for a split-second boob shot that will um, that was barely seen except for the uh, those with TiVo. Um, where the where's the FCC when Imus makes an offensive remark? Obviously, these remarks are racist when you well, look at the racial on. divide. The FCC's job is not to uh, not to prevent radio show hosts from being offensive. It's to prevent them so allegedly from being so-called obscene and indecent, which mm-hmm. has to do with sex and has to do with excretory functions. More from this emailer in a moment. 800-259-9231. Your thoughts on the IMUS controversy or whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. The show is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. The pack at 8.net toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free. Uh, by the way, that does include the updates. Just get signed up for them. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show at updates.freetalklive.com. In fact, uh, recently an update was sent out about all the new items in our Free Talk Live store, which you can go and purchase, uh, including the brand-new Free, free Marketeer Design T-shirt, the Ladies Free Talk Live T-shirts in uh, two different colors. We also have the new Free Talk Live beanie cap, the Free Talk Live lighter bottle opener combo, the very hot-selling Free Talk Live 2-gigabyte multi-gadget MP3 player slash FM tuner slash voice recorder slash flash drive. That's for less than 60 bucks, believe it or not. And uh, and more. It's all there for you in the pre-order phase right now at store.freetalklive.com. Great way to get some cool Free Talk Live gear and help support the show. And once again, that's store.freetalklive.com. Jumping back into the email from one of our listeners... Of uh, who is uh, who is an African American uh, black man who has some comments on the Don Imus situation. Can you just jump back like to the start of the paragraph you were just on, Mark? The part you disagree with the most. Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton are going after people who use offensive words because no one else will. And I think that that's to some extent that part is true. The yeah, but they're also going after them because they want attention and they're bigots themselves. Are they? Um, I'm sorry. Jesse Jackson has used the terminology Jaime Town. 
He doesn't like Jewish people. Right. Al Sharpton oh. has a litany of racist terms that he has uh, yep. um, used in the past. These guys, not saints. They like to shake down organizations for money for their, their own organizations. They actually uh, have gone to like Toyota and tried to get uh, money from them. Yeah, I remember that story. Yeah, they do it all the time. They're shakedown artists. It's, it's widely known. And uh, he, people would just ignore them, and they wouldn't... <laughs> They wouldn't get anywhere, but exactly. the media just lavishes them with attention. And he, he makes the question, where is the FCC? And he asked the question, where is the FCC when Imus makes an offensive remark? And, um, y- you know, I, I guess the FCC, is, it isn't their job. And I would say that... Um, Please, I don't want the FCC getting involved in regulating offensiveness. I don't want, I wa- I don't they want do the, enough as is. You're right. The, I don't want the FCC involved in anything. We don't need them. It is really uh, easy for a white American to say, it's no big deal. Get over it, because you seem to not understand the pain of these words. Imus's listeners and those of Free Talk Live are probably a large portion white, I would say. That's He's true. right. I can't, I can't possibly claim to understand the pain of these words. However, I can say, and I know I'm not understanding the pain, but I can say that if someone were to call white people honkies or whatever sort of derogatory terms there are out there, white trash, honky, cracker, uh, cracker, I don't care. And note, we don't. We're we're not scared of using that particular term, but I I won't use the N word now. It's yeah. kind of strange. Um, I I can say that I I probably understand racism a little better than white uh, most white people do. I was in a I do. Okay. Um, I was in a prison for eight and a half years. Um, a lot of that racism. Was, that was majority black, and you know what you're talking about is uh, the more coarse and base of both races in this particular place. So mm-hmm. most of these people had a tendency to be separated along racial racial lines, use racial terminology, that kind of thing. Right. Um, not all of them, but, you know, it was there. And so I understood what it was like to be in the minority and disliked for my race. I see. It's not exactly the same. I mean, you're, there's still a bunch of uh, white guards, you know, and, and that kind of thing. Um, that's still, though, the tables the were turned are, a little bit. To some extent. Um and, you know, I also go through life being uh, branded as a convicted felon. It's not a, the easiest thing in the world to deal with. It's probably more difficult um, getting hired as a convicted felon than it is getting hired as a black person. Okay. Um, but then again, I earned the title convicted felon. Yeah. Um, you, know, you weren't born you're just, that way. You're just born black. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm just eh, – everybody has a taste of what this is like. Uh, let's see, probably large portion white, they don't understand the issue. They hear these comments and see no problem using the same words in public. And yes, there are people who are stupid enough to repeat his comments, and there are. Mark, and and then he uh, individually addresses us on specific issues. Imus may not have been trying to be mean, but if he wants to say that these women are rough and tumble, then why couldn't he just have said rough and tumble? Why couldn't he have um, have said a thousand of other words? How about I don't hardcore, know, maybe he's trying to be cool. Working hard. Um, I, he I, did turn them, turn them hardcore, I, I believe. No, it was his producer that called them hardcore. Hose. And then he called them nappy-headed. Or any um, other words in the English language. Imus has been doing his show long enough to be able to handle the length and um, exhaustion that a new host could blame for flubbing his words. The fact is that Imus wanted to be shocking and not intelligent. That's true. Right. It, and Imus doesn't claim to have an intelligent show. 
And it's not a show for intelligent people. Not to say that everybody listens to Imish's show is dumb. But that's not the aim and that's not the purpose of I the show. I wasn't stimulated when I've heard it. Right. <laughs> people who like Howard Stern and Don Imus who use shock jock have no um, Don Imus who use shock have no intelligent value. And ever since I began listening to FTL podcast, I've heard many times about people being stupid. I know you guys hate stupid people. Stern and Imus that's get paid true. to be feel stupid. sorry for them. <laughs> I... I I I hate stupidity in certain forms. I hate forms. government people who want to use force on it. You certainly do. Um, stupid. Uh, let's see. They get paid to be stupid, and their followers tend not to be that high on the evolutionary chart. One of my uh, former roommates was a stern follower, and he had no problem calling me the N word, and that stopped when I showed him the background of the word. Hmm. Um, Ian, this may not be a major blow to society, but I think it shows that racism still exists. It shows um, the pain and the wounds from 40 years ago. Does anyone deny that racism, I mean, does anyone claim that racism doesn't exist? No. Of course uh, it exists. And I think that we need to hold Imus account. I don't have, I guess I've moved slightly from my position. Having heard what uh, James has to say, I've moved on my position. I think it's okay for you to contact NBC, MSNBC, um, which I guess is NBC, and CBS, and tell them what you think about his comments. Of course or, it's okay. And uh, you know, I think I would have said that before. I would have encouraged people not to and just turn it off. Yeah. I think that it's, you know, if it offends you, okay, let them know that it offends you. If it's going to prevent you from uh, buying products that you see advertised on there or watch or viewing, you need to tell them. Um, if it it's same with the advertisers of that's his show. That's what people are doing. That's the, yeah, and that's what needs to be done. The FCC does not need to be involved. Ew. Now, also, Imus is going to be able to get a show if Imus wants a show. If Imus gets fired from everything, Imus will get a show if Imus wants a show. Imus has been on the air long enough. He's got a, a pedigree, if not a talent, <laughs> um, for being on the air, and that won't be a problem for him. Okay. He's 65 years old and looks like he's 85. Um, he probably should consider retiring, and I don't think... That take his toys, go to the ranch. Uh, yeah. right. Go spend I don't some time I, with his hoe. I wouldn't want to spend. It's <laughs> <laughs> awful. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to go out on the note that he's gone out on. Uh, if if this is in fact his his going out, um, but you know, he, it would take too long to rebuild a career if he actually got fired over this um, entirely. All right, back to uh, what he says. Uh, let's see. I think. Uh, think how it felt to be called a nappy-headed, choose any word, in the 50s and 60s when your life was actually at risk, then hearing the term used again with such disregard. To many, like Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, the coach of the Rutgers team, and parents of the athletes who have taught their children about their history, this isn't an easy thing to forgive and forget. Imus can say, I'm sorry, but what does he say off the air? I wouldn't accept his apology unless he learned from his actions. The difference in calling the Knicks a bunch of pimps and the Rutgers ladies a bunch of nappy-headed hoes is that the word pimps is not directed at a single race. Well, the, the word on, nappy what? isn't directed at a single race. Right. Now, this is the thing. In that terminology calling the Knicks chest-thumping pimps, somebody could decide that chest-thumping refers to gorillas. That's what and Toby the, said the other night. That, that's what he did say. And this is the crux of it all. Is um, yeah, like uh, James is deciding that nappy... Is uh, a uh, you know is something against black people? By the Whereas dictionary, it is not. Chest thumping is not, and so he's making an arbitrary decision. I as, under- ha- as did uh, everyone else who's been offended. By right, this. I, I, and, and right as they are. I don't necessarily see it that way. I don't see the the racial connotations. It says it has no racial connotations. The word nappy does. I don't see that the word nappy does. It's I, a stereotype, I, though. 
it, because I've heard black people call other black people that very thing. That, oh, they they absolutely, do. absolutely do. Absolutely do. But Imus hasn't earned the right because he hasn't had ancestors who went through slavery. Slavery, the, the, the wounds and scars of slavery are still deep in this country. Sure. What about um, Torgo, who used, who's used to be on the show? He's a co-host. He's 2.5% black. How does he know it's 2.5%? No. He was DNA tested. He was DNA tested. Absolutely on the air. It's the uh, God's honest truth. <laughs> Why did he do that? Um, it was a stunt. It was free. Yeah, it was a free stunt. <laughs> um, okay. Well, you know, if, if Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson hadn't jumped on this, then no one would have ever known about it. No, Imus would have never gotten any of this attention. The words would have just slipped out on the air, and they would have gone away into the ether, never to be heard again by anybody else. And uh, it's clear, it seems clear to me that this really wasn't that terrible until Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton got their hands on the issue uh-huh. and blew it up. Now, James says, um, and I agree with him on this, I think the best thing that Imus can do is educate himself on why his words were offensive and take what he has learned to the airwaves. Allow his listeners to understand the issue, educate the public, and it would take him one show and this issue would go away. Um, he All he wants to do is, uh, James wants him to do is interview the girls, which Imus has you know, said that he would be willing to do. Hour three is on the way. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number three of the program, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. Once again, that is freetalklive.com. As we jump right into the phone calls, let's go to George in D.C. on the amplifier line. Hey, George. Hey. Yes? What's on your mind? Well... Last week, I noticed while um, skimming through the news on my cell phone, that New Hampshire, and you got to even um, approach this, I don't know if you know, but New Hampshire, the House, passed a um, law requiring seatbelts and it's gone to the Senate. Yep. I think we touched on that on the show. Um, it's it's not good news. I no, know it's, New Hampshire's the last state that uh, doesn't require seatbelts. In fact, believe it or not, as I understand it, the... The senator that is essentially the linchpin in this whole situation is the one here in Keene, where we're located. Uh, so the the senator, the state senator that is going to be a, basically the deciding vote, she's sitting on the fence trying to make up her mind as to whether or not she is in favor of banning or uh, forcing people to uh, to wear seatbelts or not. So everything is sort of hinging on what happens right here. Uh, so how you guys need to what you need to do is keep bombarding her saying don't do it. Well, um, actually, I have a uh, I've gotten I've gotten together with some activists and uh, there's a flyer that will be delivered a bunch of flyers that will be delivered to me. I don't know hundreds of them. Um, you know, going over the points as to why they think that it's a bad idea. Um, and I have uh, when are they <laughs> voting? Do you know? Soon. Okay. <laughs> I don't know beyond that. I know that I need to get it done by Sunday. Um, there's uh, seven addresses, uh, including the senator that we were talking about, and uh, six important Democrats um, to whom the senator would uh, would uh, listen to. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to those addresses, hang I'm going to hang flyers um, mm-hmm. at those specific addresses, and then in the surrounding neighborhoods. That way, 
um, you know, these people, you know, people in the neighborhoods will call and um, ask questions and, and that kind of thing. Because Basically this is one of the... bombard uh, the senator and, mm-hmm. and anybody, uh, you know, who listen. This is a pretty important issue. issue because it's one of those, it's one of the things that sets New Hampshire apart from the rest of the country. But they don't legislate common sense. Right. The other 49 cents, uh, states. they might as well be cents, 49 cents about what they're worth to me. The other 49 states, um, they all have legislation that mandates that all adults, and of course children as well, but everyone riding in a car must be seat belted. It, this is nanny state legislation to the extreme. Most people know that uh, it's a wise move to wear a seat belt. Mm-hmm. And I but, do. But it's an insult. I don't always. It's it's an insult to me as a as a thinking adult that I have to be mandated. I have to be told that by punishment of law, by threat of a jail cell, that I must belt myself in. In fact, if they were to go ahead and pass this law in New Hampshire, it's going to make people like me even less likely to wear a seatbelt because I I might just not wear it just to spite them. You know what it does though with the police is it actually. Uh, it's one of those things that we're, we're, police are looking for certain things to pull people over. Primary offense. That's right. But it isn't just that. It, it really diverts their attention uh, away from things they should be looking for. Yeah. Because if you're just looking around for people, easy tickets that you can give out as as a revenue agent, you know, uh, you're going to look for people without seatbelts. You're not really looking for murderers and rapists. And, right. And Somebody all the getting mugged crimes. in an alley or something like right. that. Yeah. Exactly. So, George, your thoughts? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, basically, what I just do is um, I clip the um, seat belt, I buckle it before I step in the car. That way, I don't have to dump my car screaming at me to wear my seat belt, and I don't have to actually be wearing it and just sit on top of it. But yeah, <laughs> um, and that's that's one way to get around it. Like somebody's car, even even if you're living in New Hampshire, even if they don't pass this, your car is going to keep screaming. A lot of these cars keep screaming at you to put the seatbelt with this beep 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 crap. Especially Ford and Toyotas, <laughs> mm-hmm. like that. They're, they're insane. Very good, like George. That. Mine just has uh, a little no. light, so it, it depends on the car you have. But yes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, save. You a, like a, oh, I was gonna say a seatbelt has saved my life a couple older. times. Yeah, George, what you were yeah, saying? Got, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah if you had an um, 04 Subaru Impreza or older, um, they don't even have that. That's the most libertarian car I've ever owned. <laughs> out of Really? I think it's the most the number yeah. one selling car in New Hampshire. There's no seatbelt uh, light at all in a, in a Subaru. It, it only flashes for three seconds when you first start the car, and then bam, it doesn't come on again. They don't care whether or not you have your seatbelt on. That's pretty cool, man. Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one to Cato in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Cato. Hey guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey. Hey, I uh, I write a blog that deals with political issues, and recently. I had wrote an entry about the dangers of socialism, and a self-professed socialist wrote a comment, and basically what he said was, you don't care about people, and socialists <laughs> care about people more than anybody else. <laughs> and the way that he wrote it, wrote it they upset do say me. Yeah, and the way that he wrote it upset me because it was sort of personal on sure. me. Sure, that's and what they do. the guy didn't know me, he, doesn't, he can't judge me as a person. The thing about it is I do care about people. I do try to help. Right. You care about their freedom. Right. And also, we also care about people that are in need. But the government actually stops us from helping those people. My wife is is a government social worker, which is something that drives me absolutely nuts. (laughs) But she got in it to help people. She sees how the system works, and she sees uh, how people that want to help themselves are generally the people that get the least amount of benefits. So she had a client who's a lady that just gotten a job, 
And she's one of those people who's actually trying to help herself. Well, her car broke down. There was no program to help her. And private charities in our area, like the, the churches especially, they put a lot of strings in the money that they're going to give people. Mm-hmm. So we ended up giving her the money to get her car fixed. Well, that gave us an idea. There's all sorts of people that just need a little bit of help. You wait, know, wait, wait, slow down a second. Wait, 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 hold on. You and your wife sure. gave her the money, or the government bureaucracy gave her the money? No, we gave her the money. You and your wife, okay. We gave her the money. Got yeah, it. sorry. Well, see, that gave us an idea. There's all these people like her that just need a little bit of help, mm-hmm. but they can't get it from the government or whatever. So what we decided to do, we start our own charity to help them. Wow. And it wasn't going to be a big thing. We would just budget a few thousand dollars, and as you guys know, I'm – pretty well-known in my community. I could have raised a lot of money for this effort, but then we found out what we would have to do to make this happen. Oh, we would have to form a 501c corporation, meaning that we'd have to hire a lawyer and an accountant, go through all this rigor and all this nonsense, all these regulations, and the seed money that we were going to use to start our charity would have gone to administration costs, Ugh. would have gone to compliance costs for the government. So we dropped the whole idea. Oh. And the sad thing about it was there's, there is a market, and there was a market in our area for something like that. And my wife and I wanted to do something about it, but the stupid regul- stupid government regulations keep us or anybody else that wants to do something like that from filling that need. Now, hold on a second here. Yeah. Um, I, okay. Now, if you want to just help people and collect money from people, you don't have to necessarily go and form a 501c3, right? Can't you just take people's... No, but if you want to collect money and you you want to do stuff like that, it would be in your best interest to do that. As I understand it, it's in your best interest because people want to write off their their contributions to charities. That would be the... You could still do it. It's just that the the people contributing couldn't write write them off. And also... But also... um, you know, when is it to be tax exempt? Wouldn't that be income then? Yeah, I guess it would be income. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what about if you that's, just that's got? That's. Oh, okay, no, I was going to say is I have a suggestion. Why don't you just get together, form a, a small organization among you and your neighbors or peers or whoever, and get together every so often and decide uh, if there's someone in need. Uh, maybe you all chip in at, at a private informal level. And, and just give right. the money to them directly, so you can sit down and say, "Okay, this person needs a, their car fixed." Okay, I'll chip in a hundred bucks, whatever, and right. then just go well, give it to them. Well, we, my wife and I, still do that. Mm-hmm. Problem is that most people are going to be hesitant because the government's supposed to take care of that. Or yeah. they might you, think you, that, you know or, or they might think, well, you're not a 501c3, so you know, yeah. you might right. just be trying to enrich yourself. How do I know we're right. not just? How do I know you're not giving the money right. to uh, your friend and That's he's right. giving you a, a right. cut? And we, we could, you know, we could still, if if we didn't have these government regulations, we could still keep a transparent charity, you know, by by having um, an internet record of of where our expenses go and where we collect money and all that sort of thing, you know, putting our balance sheet on the internet, which would make it transparent. And we wouldn't have to go through all that uh, all that stuff, basically. Yeah, I see where you're coming from on that. I know um, that, for instance, here in Keene, we got the Free Keene organization, which is essentially a, a private group, and that's the way I'm going to keep it. And if it prevents people from contributing, then so be it. You know, I'll get a smaller amount of contributions, but either way, we can still do good things with a little bit less. Cato, thanks yeah, for the call. More's on the way. This is yeah. Free Talk Live.
This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The live streams are there, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version as well. They are for free freetalklive.com. And April is Financial Literacy Month. Give the child in your uh, your life financial literacy, be they son, daughter, or sibling. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. So give your special child A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com or call 800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 1-800-657-5066. Let's go to the phones, to the amplifier line yet again. It is uh, Rob in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Rob. Hey, how you guys doing? Great. Great. Yeah, I just wanted to call to uh, chime in a little bit on this whole IMAS issue. Uh, Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely been making the rounds. I've had a number of my friends who've uh, sent emails about uh, what he said. You know, uh, I think it's I think it's funny, Rob, that in these circumstances they they're like, so you as a black man, what do you think about this racial issue? As though you can possibly speak for the whole black race or anything like that. I mean, it just it's or as or as if any time I'm speaking, I'm not a black man. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's so it's very it funny how kind of this issue is. Uh, yeah, and and you know, but a lot of people who've been sending my, sending me emails have been black as well. I found uh, generally that. Females have had a a bit more uh, a bit stronger reaction to what it was that he said mm-hmm. um, than than men generally have. I think that a lot of the stuff as far as the sponsors dropping him probably would have happened without Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton. I've been getting enough feedback from people to realize that enough people are probably probably upset that I think that would have had an effect pretty much no matter what there and pro- probably not to the extent that it did, but I think there would have been some effect all around. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that, you know, there are definitely some differences in, I would say, typical black and white responses to any sort of racial situation. And, you know, I've been thinking about why this sort of thing happens, and I think that I'm starting to begin, I'm beginning to understand a part of it. Okay. Um, I try to analyze things in a pretty dispassionate way. It's just my nature. i I mean, I, I majored in math, so <laughs> that's just the kind of guy I am. Plus, you're just a uh, heartless libertarian. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Cruel and cold. You don't care about but, the children. Uh, but mm. one thing that, that one thing one of the reasons I think that happens is during uh you know during so much of this country's history, when you started, black people lived in very segregated neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So. Typically, the white people who black people dealt with were people who were either in the government or in, essentially in cahoots with the government, which is essentially what a slave owner is. Okay. Now, because of that, I believe that that has skewed a lot of uh, people's opinions of whites among blacks. Because what happens over a course of time, over a period of time, I believe, is that you you begin to conflate government, government officials, government attitudes, all of that brutality with all white people because those are the only white people you see. Hmm. Makes some sense. Um, so so what so what I think that that's one of the reasons why so many black people take when a white person says something so much more seriously because there's that underlying sort of assumption and attitude that this is someone who can 
forced this reality upon me. Whereas when a black person says it, that's eh, just a guy. Mm-hmm. I see where you're coming from on that, though. There are certainly um, a few black it's... people in uh, in government as well. Oh yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I believe that this attitude will indeed change. Because if you look at some of the things that go on in in uh, in cities, we I definitely I definitely don't believe anyone could successfully make the argument that black politicians have benefited blacks considerably more than white politicians <laughs> do. <laughs> They've <laughs> certainly benefited themselves. Exactly, yeah. which is what governments and politicians always do. Now, I think that previously, since basically the entire government was always white, it just became conflated with just, you know, this is white people, rather than, no, this is government. Do you think, there's a, do you think there's a chance that uh, the black population in America will come to the realization that they are, um, in, that, that they are enslaved faster than the white population will because we're all slaves to the government to some extent my question is do you think that blacks are more likely based on their history uh that that they might figure it out sooner it's you know it's always hard to say but i think that will happen simply because i know black people more and more who are becoming disgruntled with government and i do believe that the fact that that black people can clearly see within the span of a few generations where freedoms will come and go, whereas for white people, it's a much more gradual sort of thing. Right, plus, uh, and plus to, to build off of what you, you said a few moments ago, you know, they, they were enslaved directly by the slave owners uh, in the past, then they kind of got out of that, and then, then they figured they'd change things by putting black people into office, and as it turns out, the black people who've been elected into office are just as scummy as the white people who were elected to office, what a using, surprise. using government to force others to behave the way they want them to, um, so therefore, they've got, they, hopefully, that's my theory at least is that well they've tried um taking over government and that doesn't work to help them out so maybe they'll realize that hey this whole government thing isn't quite what it's cracked up to be regardless of whether it's run by blacks or run by whites that's always what i'm looking to push for i mean um, one of my cousins and i were talking about um the last presidential election and he was talking about and i remember one of the things he said to me well you know rob somebody's got to run the country and i looked at him i said you know that's exactly the same sort of thing that John C. Calhoun and any number of other people said about black people during slavery that someone has to run their lives because they can't do it for themselves. Yeah, that's right. And I would contend that slavery has not gone away. It's just changed form, and actually it encompasses more people now, a bigger oh, percentage of the population. is always looking to, to, to grasp on to more and more power. I described it to him when, during that same conversation. I called the election electing massa. Yeah, <laughs> except now you can elect a white massa or a black massa. That's exactly. right. <laughs> or, a, yeah. or a female NASA. Yeah, I mean, you, you, can, you can have your pick so long as you're still a slave. And as bad as slavery was in the late 1700s, early 1800s, you, a lot of slaves could actually buy their way to freedom. Try to do that now. Mm. Exactly. And, and you know, it, it, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because that's exactly the point I was going to make regarding the whole notion of voting and not voting. Okay. Um, one of the things, I, I, I've thought about this whole issue of voting and not voting, and I don't vote for candidates. Uh, typically, my votes are limited to against uh, referendums, uh, tax increases, that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Now, in the case of Ron Paul, I would actually make an exception. I actually would vote for him. Right. Um, but that's a pretty rare sort of thing. But I don't believe that voting is an endorsement of the government any more than a slave buying his freedom was an endorsement of slavery, even though that was within the slavery system. You're just, you're just doing what you've got to do. 
you're doing what you have to do in order to obtain whatever degree of freedom you can. And that's, in fact, exactly what one of my ancestors did. My, 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 one of my ancestors, on whose land my family still lives, mm-hmm. bought, his slave, bought his freedom prior to the beginning of the Civil War. I mean, wow. wow, fantastic. Rob, great call as always. We really appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. Dennis in New Hampshire. Jeff, Missouri, Brian, the phones are loaded. Your calls as well if you make them at 800-259-9231. That's right. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. Once again, toll free, 800-259-9231. Whether it's racism or whatever's on your mind, this is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, including the Free Talk Live studio cam, uh, recently added to the site. It is available for you at cam.freetalklive.com should you want to take a peek inside the Free Talk Live studio. That's cam.freetalklive.com. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who've made the move and socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. Porkfest.com. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones and to the fun. It's Dennis in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, Dennis. Dennis. Hey, Dennis. I hear something in the background. He went to the bathroom. Apparently, Dennis has... Uh, we'll put him back on hold. Try him back in a moment. 800-259-9231. Let's try Brian in Colorado on the amplifier line. Hey, Brian. Hey, guys. What's what, on your mind? What's shaking, I, Colorado? I hate, <laughs> I hate to follow Rob. That was an excellent call. Yeah, he's a great caller. What's up? I wanted to talk about uh, what George was talking about with seatbelt laws. Yeah, the uh, New Hampshire state legislature, uh, state house passed the legislation that will mandate seatbelts on every adult in the state. It'll be the uh, the 50th state to adopt such laws, providing the Senate passes it and it makes it to the governor's desk. Uh, so it's it hasn't happened yet. But your thoughts? Well, you know, I've I've been I've been struggling with this issue since I first started to drive in 1975, when there was no such thing as a seatbelt law. There was barely such a thing as a seatbelt, and and my uh, 68 Pontiac had one. And the first thing I did, the first time I got in that car, was to, to buckle up because mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you're strapped to that car, it was a convertible, too, you know, so you're not going to go flying out of the thing. And, and you, you stand a little better chance, I would think. It just makes sense. But then they started passing these laws, you know. You have to wear your seatbelt. And, and now I'm in Colorado, and... There's no helmet law. I've got a bunch of motorcycles, and, you know, I always wear a helmet, but sometimes I don't. But that's not the point. I mean, it's a really good idea to wear a seatbelt. And a helmet. It's a really good idea to wear a helmet. Yep. So how do you protest these laws? Well, by, by, um, by, by not wearing it? And then you know? not necessarily being as smart as you could be. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah, well, you, you pretty much you just have to protest them by... Um, I guess nobody really does protest these laws. I think they just pay their tickets. Yeah, they uh, they just go and they they obey them. Uh, how do you protest them? I would guess that you would maybe put together some people and in, in cars and you know maybe parade past the police department or something like that without uh, seatbelts on or 
I don't know, there, there must be some way to actually bring attention to the issue, and then, of course, you don't pay your fines, and inevitably they'll throw you in a prison cell for it. Well, that but I, I won't be fined because I'll always wear a helmet and I'll always wear a seatbelt because it's a good idea, but I'm not doing it because of the laws. I'm doing it because of physics. Yeah, it makes sense. In fact, I was looking at some of the talking points that uh, Dennis Goddard was sending around here. He's one of the big activists in uh, the, the political side of things here in New Hampshire. And he'd sent out some talking points as far as making phone calls to the representatives and the senators about this. And one of them was that in Massachusetts, where there there is a seatbelt mandate, 65% of the people comply with said mandate. In New Hampshire, where there is no seatbelt mandate... Sixty-four percent of the people comply with um, – they wear their seatbelts on their own. So statistically, there's no difference between those uh, those two numbers. So actually mandating seatbelt usage doesn't apparently do a damn thing to, uh, to increase seatbelt usage. So therefore, that's just evidence that this, is not, this has nothing to do with personal safety and everything to do with Control. money. Not, not only control, but also money. money. Those $45 or $70 fines or whatever they are in your state that the police get to hang out, hand out, and the control of being able to pull someone over on the excuse that they allegedly weren't wearing their seatbelt. That's really what this is about. It's not about safety. And that's right. And also, you know, most of the cars today are designed to wear your seatbelt because if you get in an accident with an airbag and you don't have your seatbelt, if you're not pinned in a place, that's, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that airbag is going to jack you up. So, right. so uh, you should really have it on. And, and I've, I've done some racing in my day, you know, and I've always worn a seatbelt. I, I feel naked without it. But if I just forget for a minute or if I take it off for a second and, and I happen to go by a cop... Yeah, how much would that stink to get a ticket then? Yeah, exactly. Not to mention the time wasted if you're going somewhere, as most people are when they're driving, to have to spend uh, 15, 20, 30 minutes on the side of the road with a cop as he runs your numbers and tries to make you sweat while you're sitting there in the car, as, as they do. You know how they take their, your driver's license back and it takes them forever to do anything? You know what, it you're take them a little while. And you're looking at somebody who actually got a ticket in Hawaii for not having a seatbelt on, but I didn't have a Hawaii license license brian any other thoughts well yeah it's just i feel like putting a bumper sticker on my car that says i'm wearing a seatbelt in spite of your law <laughs> thanks for the call man 800-259-9231 you know and the other thing about seatbelts is you know people die because of seatbelts statistically it's true it you know it's it's not likely and more than likely a seatbelt will save you but people have died out there because of seatbelts and i can't imagine um, how the legislatures can can their their conscience how their conscience will allow them to force people to wear seatbelts that could very well kill them or force somebody to wear a seatbelt whose father or mother or closest person in their life to them was killed by a seatbelt. Well, they know Who what's the best. How do they think they are? They know what's best. They think no, they, they are they your don't. superiors and they they're your mommy. Yeah. Well, I just. It's just, it's wrong. Yeah, there are certain situations where a seatbelt is more dangerous, but now a lot of these side curtain airbags, and the airbags actually make seatbelts safer and actually do reduce some of those situations. Also, the way cars are designed today to absorb a lot of the shock and take the engine and put it down rather than through the firewall if you get hit head on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the cars are much safer now than they were 30 years ago, but the point is is that it's common sense to wear a seatbelt, but if in that moment, you know, that's the time the cop always sees you without the strap across your chest and could give you a ticket. Sure. And, and I think that this state takes pride in the fact that we don't legislate common sense, and that's almost... Not yet. Yeah, but th- what that does <laughs> is that also symbolically puts a, a big um, uh, black eye 
on the state of New Hampshire as being a, yeah, a, a liberty-oriented state. It's going to make it more difficult, maybe just by a small degree, but it will make it more difficult to get people excited about coming here, for instance, as part of the Free State Project. Let's go back to Dennis in New Hampshire. We're going to try him again. Dennis, you're back on Free Talk Live. Hello? Howdy, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Turns out, during the extremely heated floor debate on this bill, two, not just one, two state reps got up in front of all their peers and said they were only alive today because they were in a crash and were not wearing their seatbelts. Really? In both cases, they got T-boned, and they were thrown out, and the place where the driver's seat was would have been, I mean, they'd have been hamburger. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Happens. So I think that says volumes about, you know, at what point do you tell people what risk to take? Apparently, it didn't say enough volumes to the representatives who then overwhelmingly voted in favor of this legislation. No, no, it squeaked by. No, it squeaked by by seven votes. Seven, if seven people's votes had been different, then it, it not by seven votes, but if seven people's votes had been different, it would have been. And on top of that, a, more than a hundred of the reps weren't even there that day. Yeah, mm. well, attendance that is really a things. big issue. These people need to be, you know, they need to be good students, and attendance does count. But yeah, it's true. You guys, as senator, is the key to killing this thing in the Senate. So you have some major convincing to do. When is this uh, coming up for a vote? Do you have any idea? They haven't published the the date yet. It could be as early as Tuesday. It could be as early as Monday. Mm. Um, or it could be weeks out. Well, I called but, her. She didn't call me back. So I don't know what, you know, should I keep calling? Or I, I no, left a message. Obsessed, you know. Huh? You know, like, you know, calling every day or two is, you know, a pretty reasonable thing to do. But, um, I don't know about that, but okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> hey, your prior caller, uh, Rob. Yeah. He was talking about candidates, and he doesn't vote for candidates. And that's that's a pity um, that, unfortunately, he doesn't know any candidates that'd be cool to vote for. It was really something last November when of the people that would like go to the meet and greets, the porcupine people that I would see on the weekends, the free staters. a dozen of them ran for state rep. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of options. Those that are a dozen cool. people worth voting for. Yeah, definitely. And there's going to be more of that happening, too, because uh, you're talking about the 2006 elections, and those people who were, those dozen people who were running were the dozen people who either had already lived in the state or a handful that might have might have moved up over two years prior, because you have to have been a New Hampshire resident for two years before you can actually run for state house. Um, so therefore, the longer this Free State Project goes on, the more people moving into the state, the wider that possibility, uh, the, the wider the selection of possible candidates will have. So I predict probably we're going to have, I mean, double that in uh, 2008, wouldn't you say? Let's go for it. Very good, Dennis. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. Jeff in Missouri, your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. Only moments remain. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet, 8.net, toll free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for access to their websites. We give it all away. So we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, as over 365 of our listeners have decided to do for as little as 3 bucks a month. The concept's very simple. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in that $3 a month. It's real easy. We do it by PayPal or any major credit card, and there are alternative ways as well. But you send in that money, we take it in, and we turn it around into promoting the show, to getting Free Talk Live on more radio stations around the country, 
uh, on more people's Internet connections and thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. And the fact is, it's working. Uh, you can get all the details and learn about the perks that you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones. It's Jeff in Missouri. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for being here. What's on your mind? Uh, well, first, um, the, I have a, one or two comments. My first is about uh, these debates that the Democrats are pulling out of. They're Just pulling out of debates? Yeah, they're pulling out of Fox News debates. Even though they're sponsored by them, they're not actually being debated by any of the reporters. I see. These and, are presidential primary debates is what yeah. they are? So, yeah. Wait, Fox uh, News is... Like, Wait, hold on a second. Don't they normally have, like, the Republicans all debating in one debate and then the Democrats all debating in another? So, like, there's not going to be a Democratic debate is basically what you're saying? Uh, it was all – it was a strictly a Democratic debate. Gotcha. And I just think they're chicken for doing that because what good is it preaching to the choir on, like, CNN and their own networks? You That's know a great what point. Saying? What is their issue? I mean, they just don't like Fox News. That's... Yeah, they just don't. They they think they're too conservative and unbalanced, and like CNN is any better. Seems kind of lame. I mean, if if, you, if someone's going to give me free airtime, I'll take yeah. it. Uh, you know, well, now what? Now, generally, there's a moderator involved, um, and you know, I can see. Well, you see, the last debate these people pulled out of was also sponsored by the Congressional Black Congress Caucus. Yeah, um, Caucus. You know, I. I don't know. I guess I can kind of see it. Um, Fox will get whatever revenue there is from uh, you know them being there. I can see. I see. I can see they don't why, want to enrich. Why? And it's Edwards and Fox. Obama. Ed, Edwards yeah. and Obama. And Hillary. Hillary's also, pulled out now too. Yeah. Today. Yeah. I just think they're chicken because what good is like I said before? What good is it preaching to the choir? They also may be afraid that the questions from the audience might be, they might be plants to expose them. Hmm. Mm, well, anyway, my other comment is about this IMIS situation. Yes, sir. Uh, first, for Al Sharpton to call anyone racist is like the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, that's what Mark had pointed out earlier tonight, is that uh, he's... Uh, now, wait, is it Jesse Jackson that's anti-Jewish, or is it both of them? That are well, Jesse Jackson has used the terminology, Jaime Town. I would say that he's uh, anti-Semitic. Yeah. But anyway, my comment is, my main comment is, if if Imus can get an FCC investigation and be fired for this, I think... The comments Rosie O'Donnell made about the Iran crisis, I mean, the recent Iran situation and the 9-11 and all this stuff, I think she should be investigated. Well, first of all, the FCC is I don't not see, investigating Don yeah, Imus. I don't want to see any of them investigated because it, I think that uh, you know the media is an the extension of, of free speech. And, I know. I'm not saying. Yeah. I'm just saying if they're going to investigate Imus, they should do. Turnabout is fair play. Thankfully, yeah. they aren't. Jeff, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That is the uh, the packet eight dot net toll free line one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You know there was a, a quick update on the story about the young man who was beaten to death in the Florida prison. Mm-hmm. You may recall this. There, um, I don't want to. It was really a prison, but it was certainly a juvenile boot camp. Sorry, yeah. And uh, he was fourteen years old. He had just been admitted. It wasn't very long after that, and they just basically just kicked him to death. That's essentially what these people did. Uh, the settlement, though, in this particular case, according to the BBC News, turns out to be $2.4 million. And that sounds good, right? I mean, your son died, you're getting $2.4 million. I'm sure the family is feeling a little bit better. Obviously, they'd rather have their son. But this isn't good because it means that 
everyone else is paying the price. Right. And the people who actually beat this boy to death are not going to be paying a single pen, a single penny of that $2.4 million. Well, they'll probably lose their jobs, and that's something. No, they'll be on probation. Well, uh, according to the BBC, Governor Jeb Bush at the time ordered an investigation that led to a second autopsy. They carried out the second postmortem and said that the young man died because his mouth was blocked and was forced to inhale ammonia fumes. Mm, yeah. The forced inhal- the beating, I'm sure, didn't help. The forced <laughs> inhalation caused his vocal cords to spasm and block his upper airways. The guards had said in an incident report that they used ammonia capsules five times on Anderson to gain his cooperation. Now, remember, he was... Uh, the teenager had been sent to the camp for violating probation by trespassing at a school after he and his cousins were charged with stealing their grandmother's car from a church parking lot. They, Not exactly the worst kid in the 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 you know America. No, and I mean, he's, he took his grandmother's car, which they call that stealing, but I mean you know it's that's really what the old timey joyriding used to be. Um, and, and, I mean if there's anything, it's taking a family car members. That's that would uh, family's car mem- uh, family member's car would be joyriding. Right, yeah, that's like on the Andy Griffith show. I'm sure they did that. Somebody did. Opie probably did. It's probably been done. And can you? I mean, it, can you imagine how Grandma's feeling today? Because she called the cops on yeah. her own grandson. Yeah. In this case, she thought, as many people do, and this is something. This this is a theme that we've seen uh, quite often on Free Talk Live and various different stories. Is that parents think that the police are going to help them? Parents think that they by calling the police uh, into a situation where I mean, there was one parent who called the cops because their son had opened the Christmas presents too early. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's just all kinds of crazy stories out there of parents involving police in unnecessary situations. But they're calling the cops in under the mistaken belief that the police are there to help out in a situation. I'm sorry to tell you this, but the police are not there to help you. No. They aren't. They're there to arrest somebody. Right, and that's what they do best. Uh, They take somebody away from the situation in handcuffs. In this case, Grandma just wanted to punish her her 14-year-old grandson. And I don't know, maybe he did act out a lot. Maybe he wasn't the best of kids. May very well have been. Um, so she thought she was going to teach him a lesson, maybe scare him a little bit by calling the cops. Probably was pretty shocked when they decided to arrest this young man. And I don't think she expected for a moment that they were going to go ahead and throw him in a juvenile detention center. Where he would be killed. Where he would end up uh, being beaten to death and killed. Also sad. Yeah, she certainly wasn't expecting that. I'm sure she's regretting it at this point. But I think that a a word of warning needs to go out to any parent out there that would consider calling the police on their own children or grandchildren. Unless your child is threatening your life, you know, unless there's something absolutely violent and just terrible going on. Something bad can happen. I would hesitate seriously on calling in the law. The system has no heart. It has no soul. There is no one over it to make sure that it does the right thing. Right, and it It will back down. It is simply a grinding machine. If you get involved in that grinding machine, you will bend to its will or you will die. And it doesn't care which way it goes. That's what the criminal justice system is. Maybe somebody will bend. Maybe they won't. Maybe this, um, the, the people, the, the cogs in the machine will decide that they're not bending enough. They're not bending quickly enough, and they will kill them. So 
I'm telling you that if it was a it was somebody that I cared about, um, it was a family member of mine, I would try to figure out some punishment for that person um, outside of the system. Right. You know, I mean, if we're talking about You're my son, parents, or da- son, or da- son or daughter, I you know, I might very well lock them in a room, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, put them before I would put them in jail. Right. There's no second chances there isn't. Uh, with, with the system. When you make that phone call, it's like pulling a fire alarm. You can't control what the firemen do when they show up at your residence. They might hack your door down with an axe. They might uh, ruin all your furniture. You, you don't know what these people are going to do. The police are worse because they can throw people you care about in prison cells and do horrible things to them. So when grandma called the cops, she was hoping to get a little bit of assistance, right. maybe scare Toss him in the jail grandson. for the night or something like that. After they arrested him, she might have th- started thinking to herself, oh my goodness, I don't want to bring any charges. Wait, wait, we- you're bringing charges against my son? No, I, I don't want any charges brought. Oh, well, we're sorry. He stole a car, this and was- we are going to bring charges right. on behalf of the state. This is what happens. Back back in the day, a parent could probably call the law, the peace officers um, and have their kid, if they were their kid was acting out or something like that, um, the Cops would be happy to put him in jail for a night, maybe even two, and do the whole, um, you know, you're a bad kid, you're going up the river routine yep. with them, scare the crap out of them, and then send them home in a couple of days, or a day, or whatever. And that's, that's back what, when they were peace officers. That, more you, so. yeah. you know, big, there really has been a transition. Um, the war on drugs has caused a transition from the time when police officers were peace officers to now when they're essentially military units. Military units They're that are occupying orders. America, occupying yeah. us. You're right about that. It's been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. We shall return tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com where the conversation continues. And don't forget to buy all your stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. You purchase through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage. This is Free Talk Live. We'll see you tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.